It goes without saying, and yet I'm going to say it, um, the last two years have been flipping tough for just about all of us. And if I'm really honest, um, when we've had the very first lockdown, um, the first three weeks, I actually secretly quite enjoyed. Because if you remember, the weather was amazing. Do you remember? And I love my garden, and I'm a massive introvert. So it was, I felt bad about loving it. <gasps> I'm on my own. I sit in my garden with my books with my Bible, with my plants, with the birds, everything. Oh, it was wonderful. That lasted three weeks, but it's been two years. And uh, this last little bit around Christmas and since, for me, if I'm honest, has been the hardest. And, I, I, and it's just worn me, you know, it wears you down. And it's like, not again. And one of the reasons it's been the hardest is, if I'm really honest, is because from the summer, we've been working as a team so hard at trying to help everyone to come back together and to get everything going uh, so that we would, um, you know, so that we would be able to function as a fellowship and serve you as the congregation. And we were just getting there and then Omicron arrived and then our team worked so hard for the Christmas services. I want you to know he's not here today because he's at a wedding, but Tom... Uh, Smith and Dan and others on the team, they worked so hard preparing the Christmas services and it was going to be pretty spectacular. And then half of our team uh, got COVID just before and, and others, which completely understandably in the church said, you know what, I just don't know that I, I'd rather not be involved because I'm scared of catching COVID just before Christmas and then missing Christmas with, with the family and the relatives. And that's quite understandable. And so we had to cancel uh, fairly near the last, the end, our Christmas services. And uh, we did them on live stream. And, and, and it was like, oh Lord, we've got to start all over again. You know, and, and I've been feeling a bit sorry for myself. And I've had quite a large pity party. Uh, and, uh, and the Lord's been challenging me uh, to, to actually turn from that. And the danger of preaching what God is saying to you is that it might be really God, say, God saying it to me right now and the word for me, and it might not be for you, but I hope that it is. And there's been two things uh, that we are told in Scripture uh, regularly uh, to aim for and that is to persevere and to be patient. To persevere and to be patient. And I don't think we realise how many times in the New Testament we're, we're encouraged to both patience and perseverance again and again and again. And, and we struggle with those, if we're honest. Why do we struggle? And why are we struggling at, at the moment, some of us, why have we lost our joy? And I think it's, that happens when we're battered by what the Bible calls the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we've been battered, I think, by all three. There's the world around us. There's all the nastiness on social media. Uh, I just, uh, for a couple of days, I made the mistake of looking at the trending topics on 
Twitter, and it just made me sick. It did not do me any good to, to, to read the, the vile comments that people make about each other. And, you know, Tony Blair may not be perfect, but he's not the devil. You know, Donald Trump, I do not agree with. He is not the devil. Boris Johnson, I don't agree with everything. He is not the devil. Um, and so on and so on and so on. And, and the way our culture tears each other apart is horrible. And, and our culture has forgotten how to disagree agreeably. There's a, a French philosopher, I can't remember who it is, it might be Voltaire, but I might, might have got it completely wrong. He said years ago, um, I disagree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. Does anyone remember who that was? Was it Voltaire? Doesn't matter. But someone, I said it, it's, it's my original <laughs> Pilavachi. And, and, and actually, we've lost that to a degree. And for us as Christians, uh, we've been bombarded in the last few years with a lot of negativity from the world around us. And 20 years ago, many people in the world laughed at us or thought of us as a bit of an anachronism. You know, oh, bless these Christians with their funny, weird morals and beliefs about about sex and marriage and, and various other things. And, you know, oh, it's just so old-fashioned. It, they're not kept up with the times. They're, and they, and they, they found us amusing. What's been frightening for many in the church is it's crept up on us. Many, not all, but many in the world around us, there's a whole bunch that now find us not faintly amusing, but dangerous. And they find our beliefs dangerous and they believe that, that some of the things that we believe are really bad and unhealthy and there's an attack. Now we've got to be careful that we don't end up with a persecution complex because they're, they're doing it to each other, not just us. But when that happens, when the world around us and, and even being on, on social media, when I'm on that too much, and, and I, you know, I've got social media, I've got everything. I've got Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of that. When I immerse myself in it, it doesn't do me any good. When I spend a whole load more time watching the BBC News 24 than I do in, in the book, it doesn't do me any good. And we need to know what's going on in the world around us. I'm not saying we don't. I'm saying that when we immerse ourselves in the world around us, it can affect us in a negative way. And then it's the world, it's the flesh. It's our own failings, our own struggles, our own weaknesses, our own sins. When we mess up, when we find that, you know, we all have, many of us have it, you, sometimes you wake up in the morning and it just doesn't feel good, does it? You wake up in the morning and it's like, oh, I don't know why, I just feel low. Or there are struggles with ourselves, the way we see ourselves, the way we, we, we wonder how we fit in or don't fit in, our flesh. And then there's the devil. And I believe in a real personal devil. And the reason I do is because Jesus does. And he attacks us. And in Revelation chapter 12, he, he's called the accuser of the brethren. And that's what he does. Day and night, he accuses us. He, he works on our own insecurities and he, and he speaks lies to us or even truths that become lies. 
You know, well, you're this, you're bad at that. You can't do that. Therefore, God doesn't love you. Therefore, you're not, you're not really one of his. Therefore, God will never be able to use you or whatever. And when the combination of those three, it can bring us low and we can end up uh, in a morose state. What is the antidote? Because I believe there is, there is an antidote. How do we grow? Because this is a, an opportunity for us. These tough days is an amazing opportunity for the church of Jesus and for us as individuals to grow. To grow in the gifts of patience and perseverance. And patience and perseverance, they're like, they're like identical twins. You know, they're very, very similar. Um, and they go round together. And so how do we grow in that? First of all, first of all, he grows it in us. He does it. There's something that he does. And the way he does it is through troubles and tribulations. James says in chapter one, verse two, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of various kinds. Do you know, when I first read that, I was like, really? Consider it pure joy when you face trials and difficulties. Oh, the cat's just been run over. Hallelujah. My house has been burnt down. Oh, what joy. That doesn't make sense unless you read the rest of the sentence. Consider it pure joy, my dear brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, for the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. There is a purpose behind our suffering. And I'm not saying he causes it. I'm saying he works in it. Romans 8.28, for we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And what he does in, the, in those times of suffering is he refines us in the furnace. It, he burns off the dross like you in a furnace. Uh, you burn off the dross and, and you purify gold and silver. And, and as I look back on my life, and I'm of an age where I can look back on my life, um, you know, I see that at the toughest moments are the moments now I look back, he was the closest to me. He was the working most deeply in me. He was, he was arranging things that I couldn't see at the time. And when I look back, it gives me hope for the future. So how do we grow? First of all, he does it. Then look up. In, there comes a point, there does come a point where it becomes really counterproductive to keep looking in. And frankly, to keep looking around. We need to do that to a degree, but there has to come a point where we say, I am going to choose to look up. I'm going to choose to look at you. I'm going to choose to spend more time in your word than in, on social media. I'm going to spend more time in your word than being filled with stuff that's on TV. I'm going to spend more time in your word than on YouTube. 
And now, that, that needs to be a decision we make. And, and for me, you know, sometimes when I go to bed, because um, I'm single, um, you know, I go, to, I go to sleep usually watching The West Wing. Um, and I know the scripts off by heart. Or Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister. Do you remember that? Or The Vicar of Dibley. They're my favourites. And, uh, and, um, and I'll go see what... But sometimes when it's like, I just, I just can't face another episode of The West Wing, I'll, I'll go on YouTube and I'll start looking at YouTube and I'll go to, to things that interest me. And then the number of times I'm still there two hours later... And, and I'm looking at videos on, on how giraffes have sex with each other. <laughs> and I'm like, how the hell did I get here? Why, why am I watching videos on how giraffes have sex? I'm not interested. I don't care. Do, does anyone know what I'm talking about? It's like, it, it becomes Moorish. And actually, sometimes to, to switch the flipping thing off... And to get in the Word, to feed on the Word, or Netflix, or the papers. What are we feeding ourselves on? And one thing can I suggest that I have found so helpful is, is to speak Scripture to myself. You know, when I'm having a struggle, to actually speak Scripture to myself. Um, the, the psalmist says, I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And there's something about hiding his word uh, in your heart. And, and for me, there are certain scriptures, and I've got a whole list of them, that I'll speak out loud. I'll say it out loud, and it's like medicine. You know, I, and, and I'll say it. You know, if I'm feeling like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make it, uh, Philippians 1 verse 6, uh, for I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. And, and, and so I say it. Paul is confident that he who began a good work in me, Mike Pilavachi, will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. When we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. When I'm faithless, you stay faithful because that's who you are. When I'm struggling to believe, to live in his love, you know, I'll go to, you know, uh, uh, tell myself about the, the, the length and the breadth and the height and the depth of the love of God, which is beyond knowledge, so that I might be filled with all the fullness of God. Speak scripture to yourself. And after I do that for a while, when, when, when I, I take that as medicine, three times a day, before meals, you know what? After a while, life doesn't look quite so bad. And I start to believe in his goodness. I start to believe in his faithfulness. I start to believe again. And now is the time. Now is the time for us to rise up and to grow in both perseverance and patience. So first of all, look up. Secondly, get stuck in 
to the family of God relationally. I'm not talking about coming to church all the time. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking, church is about relationships. It's not meant to be an institution. A church of our size, we have to organize ourselves to a degree, otherwise it'd be chaos. And we have bills to pay and, and there's all of that. But the heart of it, that's the skeleton. That's the skeleton. But there's no point having a skeleton without the life. The skeleton holds the life and the life is our relationships. We're a family of families. And I don't know, I don't know how I would cope at certain times if I didn't have people around me who, who know me, who get me, who, who know when I'm, who can tell when I'm feeling low, who encourage me, who are there for me when I need them. And we all need that. I just want to say, one of the, the, the best things for me about social media, and it is, is I love going on Facebook and scrolling down my newsfeed and reading the messages that you lot send each other. I, what's the word when you, 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 you secretly stalk, I stalk you. I stalk you unashamedly. And, and somebody in the church writes, oh, having a bad day today or just come down with COVID and I don't know how I'm going to cope with the kids. And then you see the messages underneath. Oh, I'll be praying for you. Going to cook you a meal. Leave it on your front doorstep. Um, hey, if there's anything you need, just let me know. Uh, going to direct message you. Going to just to check how you are. And, and so on and so on and so on. And do you know what? When I read that, even though none of it's directed at me, it makes me happy. Because that's what it's meant to be. But that happens when we choose to get involved relationally. When we choose, when we choose to get involved in, in a small group or, or however we do it. Uh, and to just get involved with others and to support each other. You know, I love, and I don't want to point, point them out, but you know, just sometimes with Jeremy and Claire's group, you know, I love reading um, all the in in encouragements. Um, Cl Claire and Miriam Lazell, I don't think Miriam's here. You know, they're, they're two of the biggest encouragers on Facebook. And, uh, and I, I just go down and I see that. And even though it's not directed at me, it does my heart good. So first of all, he, he grows perseverance in us. Secondly, look up, look up. Thirdly, get stuck in relationally. And then fourthly, and kind of finally, really important, count your blessings. Those of you that are older, and there's not many of you now as old as me. Do you remember that old chorus? Count your blessings, name them one by one. Then you'll be amazed at what the Lord has done. Sometimes we have to stop and count our blessings. Do you know, that's what the people of Israel did. You know, for ages when I read the Old Testament, I would think this is so repetitious because it felt like there were times when whenever they came together, they'd go on about Moses again. 
It's like you've sung about it. You know, we were slaves in Egypt. We went through the Red Sea on dry ground. Uh, we were delivered. The Lord and Moses delivered us. Da, da. And he's like, I, I want to say, you've sung that song. It's a bit like us today. You know, like if, you know, sometimes I think if we sing that song one more time, I'm going to shoot myself. If we sing that song one more time, I'm going to shoot the worship leader. You know, <laughs> well, Israel had that problem as well. They kept singing the same flipping song. What were they doing? They were remembering their histories of deliverance. They were remembering how God met them in the past. And they were putting memorial stones down and saying this stone represents this period of God's faithfulness. Count your blessings. Name them. Name them one by one. <laughs> Over this Christmas, like I said, you know, I went through a phase where I don't often get like this. You know, 95% of the time I'm fine. Uh, but I just, got, I just got low. And I just felt, oh, we can't be together Christmas Day. Um, we, uh, carol services. Um, I was, and I was going to have 17 of my relatives uh, round for Christmas lunch and to spend the day. And, and two days before, um, my brother and sister, we all got in touch with each other and a whole bunch of them had got COVID. So we had to cancel so I ended up, I'd already bought the turkey. I had a turkey for 17 and all the trimmings for one. Now, yes, most of that was wonderful news for me. Because <laughs> I, was, I was there and it was like I've died and gone to heaven. You know, I don't have to share the turkey. But it was a turkey for 17. So I had Christmas Day every day for about 12 days. You know, and, and if I see one more Brussels sprout, I will, I will put it somewhere that will hurt. You know, and, and it was like, it was like, and it was like, I remember it was the middle of Christmas afternoon and I was sitting there on my own and there was that moment, and even though I'm an introvert and I love it, there was that moment where, you know, I, I got the Christmas cracker out and it was like, well, which is going to win, my left hand or my right hand? And just at that point, I started having a little pity party. Oh, I'm all on my own. Oh, nobody's with me. Oh, everything's gone wrong. Oh, and, and, and I started finding things and I started to think things that weren't true. And then the Lord reminded me, count your blessings. Name them one by one. And as I started to name them, Lord, I have a roof over my head. That's not a small blessing when so many in our world do not have that. I have a, a lovely little house that I love. My garden is my joy. I love my garden. I have great friends who are there for me. I, I get to do a, I've got to do a job. I can't believe that God gave me the privilege of being part of this church and doing what I do. I've never had any money, but I've lived like a millionaire. I've been invited all over the world. I've, I've been to Hawaii more times than, and, and, and how, did, how did you do that, Lord? And you've provided for me every step of the way. You've provided for me in every way. And as I started to count my blessings, you know what? My heart was strengthened. My heart was strengthened. And that's how it works. Romans 12, verse 
verse 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. What does that mean? Hope, patience and faithfulness. There's, there's something we can grow in. Choose to count your blessings. And, and just the other day, as, as I was starting to do that, as I was starting to do what the people of Israel did, and, and, and not, not just my blessings as a person, but our blessings as a church that I'm part of, the way God's been faithful for 29 years, it's story after story after story of his amazing grace and faithfulness. I just remembered, it was, I think it was this morning, this morning as I was at seven o'clock when I was doing my final preparation. You know, this is just one story. And I've told you lots of others, but here's another one. In the year 2000, we went and did a mission in Manchester. We called it um, The Message. And uh, uh, it cost a lot more than we had planned. And the, the costs went up. Uh, doing a mission in the centre of a city was a lot different than doing a camp um, in Somerset. And, and we suddenly realised we can't make ends meet. We're in real trouble. And the Lord said, trust me, trust me. He brought people to me, the prophetic people who said, the Lord says, trust me, even though they didn't even know. And do you know what? We were three days from the end of the 10-day the mission and a businessman came and he looked around what we were doing and the projects that the young people were doing. And he wrote a check for £170,000. And then on the last morning, we still had, we were still short by 100,000. And I was walking in to the Manchester Evening News Arena. And I suddenly noticed that there were queues at all the ATMs. And as I was looking, I thought, they're all young people. What's going on? And we didn't make a huge deal about the offering, not with teenagers. They haven't got any money. And when, and when we would have at that time our offerings in the summer, we'd be, we'd be thrilled if it was 10,000 pounds. Well, that morning, um, we took the, the offering on the final morning. And then Dennis Lazell, um, who's part of our church, he came to me, he was involved in the counting. And he was crying, I remember. And he said, do you know what the offering was? I said, what? He said, 112,000 pounds. God provided every penny, and not just financially, in so many ways. Count your blessings. Name them. Name them. It does your heart good. And just in the last few days, as I've been doing that, uh, I, I've, there's this old, old hymn, and I'm at the age now where I keep begging our worship leaders to sing more of the old hymns. Uh, but they don't listen, but I keep, I'll keep saying it. And if you, if you feel like me, you say it as well. Let's put pressure on, because I don't get listened to anymore. But there's this old hymn, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Great is thy faithfulness, Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All, hold on. How's it go? All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness. 
Lord unto me. I just warned them just before, band, why don't you come up? We're gonna sing that before we finish. And, and listen, listen, verse three, pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Listen to these two verses. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. What richness. This is truth. This is his faithfulness. This is who he is. And before we finish, I just got one more very brief thing to say. I just love us just, I know I'm being um, self-indulgent, but let's, let's sing this old hymn. Let's go for it. And I'm going to lead us. Let's stand. No, I'm not. <laughs> Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest
stay here, band. We're nearly there. If you'd just like to sit down for a moment, I'll finish with this. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, when it says about how the, the devil is the accuser of the brethren, it then goes on to say, they, the saints, us, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. It's the blood of the Lamb that cleanses us from all sin, but also we overcome by applying the blood of the Lamb and the truth of our salvation, but also we overcome today, today by the word of our testimony. Look up, look up. Speak the truth of Scripture to yourself like a medicine. Get stuck in relationally so we can encourage one another. Count your blessings. Name them. Name them one by one. Then you'll be amazed at what the Lord has done. Amen. What we're going to do now is we're just going to wait on the Lord for a few moments. And Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would send your spirit upon us afresh now. I thank you, Lord, for this amazing family. And you haven't finished with us yet. And Lord, as we look back and we count our blessings and we remember and rejoice in your faithfulness, we look forward and we trust you for the future. We trust you for the present. And Lord, I ask that you release us into, into a fresh joy, into a sense of your peace that's beyond understanding and a knowledge of your love that is beyond knowledge that surpasses knowledge, human knowledge. And Lord, I pray particularly for my brothers and sisters who are struggling right now, that you would come to them, that you would meet them, that you would lift their heads. He's the lifter of my head. He's my glory and the lifter of my head.